Well, good morning. Good morning, Identity Church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, we're doing our soft launch uh, for those of you that are on our podcast. You know, one of the things that, that the Lord has impressed upon me this week is that, you know, we can get ourselves so caught up in the things that we need to do. Like, for the last two and a half weeks, I've had a, a gang of people called my congregation running around, painting stuff, throwing stuff on walls, cleaning carpets. I mean, it's been the most, I mean, just like whirlwind. It looked like tornadoes running around in here doing work. And we have a pretty good finished product. I'm, I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of what y'all have done. This building right here, I'm, I'm least proud about it. I'm more proud about you guys. That's the thing. Every time I see something that, you know, every time I see that wall that Joanne sanded 15 times in order to make sure that it was, that it was spotless, I'm going to think, Joanne, that's her handiwork. You know, every time I look and I see all this that's been painted in the sanctuary and around, I'm going to say, that's Charlie. Every time there's a, every time that, that there's a trim that has been painted, I'm going to look and say, that's Reba. Do you know that, that my dad stood on top of a, of a scaffolding and painted the tops up here 12 foot high? That just, it blesses me. It blesses me, not because of the work you did, but because of the love that you put into it. We're going to reach Jesus. We're going to make Jesus alive in people's hearts here in Alabaster. We're going, to, we're going to have people that are going to come and we're going to give them Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is going to be a church that's going to be a beacon and a light. And there's lots of other ones. I, I think Cultivate Church is across the street here. They were in this building. They have been awesome. They helped us to even secure the lease. Johnny Reese is, is, the, uh, is the person that we're leasing this building from. He's an awesome man. He's helped us out every single way that he possibly could. Do you know that it just makes me proud and I just thank you and I'm gonna to continue to thank you. I'm gonna to continue to thank you because you guys are what makes the body of Christ, amen? Amen, well I'm gonna go ahead and get into my sermon. I am trying to close out Jesus culture, okay? I wanna to get to the point to where if we can get it today, I wanna to get to a stopping place here because Although the Beatitudes are great, I want to make sure that I want to make sure that as we're moving towards um, our hard launch, that that we've got we're in a good place uh, in order to be able to get people, um, you know, to, to what Identity Church is, right? So if we had visitors coming in here, heck, this is like a three or four week sermon that I've done. They're going to be going, where where are you at? Why why did you? Why are you in the very end of the Beatitudes? So, um, as I said, this is a soft launch, so if something just messes up really badly, don't worry about it. We'll fix it. We'll move on. Amen? Amen. So, the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, you know, everybody has heard this word. Well, it actually was from a, a Roman philosopher that the word blessed actually meant beata. And beata was a word that was sort of coined. It would, be, it would be a little bit like in our culture if we coined a phrase like, you know, um, 
somebody get you know one of you guys give me a, a, a phrase that that you kids use nowadays uh, I don't know. you know you guys you guys are getting crunk right <laughs> whatever that is any, anymore you know yeet. <laughs> yeet you know all of these things was a way to explain a, an idealism a culturalism if you will back during those days See, they had hipsters back then. I mean, today we're not creating, you know, the hip new things. They were doing stuff back then. So beata was a was a Latin noun. And so the beatitudes came out of this after Jesus preached this sermon. So it was sort of like Jesus was taking a cultural reference for blessed that would have been known in the Latin terms and they would have said, oh, you guys are getting crunk over there, right? And that would have meant things like blessed and happy and euphoric and things of that nature. So it was actually, if he was preaching this to the people in Rome, if it was being preached to the people in Rome, they would have said, whoa, those people are getting crunk down there in, in Jerusalem. See, that's the thing that you need to understand is that there was meaning to some of the things that Jesus was saying here that went beyond just our understanding of blessed. They thought of it almost like a hierarchical thing. Think about it. If I was to say, who is the, you know, who is the richest man in the world right now? Bill Gates, you have Jeff Bezos, you got all these different people. We would say that they're the mega wealthy. And people would have said, oh, they're super wealthy. Well, Jesus was basically making the same, the same thing except for with happiness. He was saying, you're going to be super happy because of these things that are, that are to come. And that's what Jesus was trying to do with creating a new culture. He wanted to create a new Jesus-type culture where people were not uh, bound by religious doctrine. As we had said a few weeks ago, uh, we, had, uh, we showed where the original temple was broken up into a couple of courts. It was the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. It basically mimicked spirit, soul, and body. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Our likeness with God right but then after the temple was destroyed uh, Herod rebuilt the temple and he separated the courts out so he completely messed up the whole system that God was trying to show that Jesus was going to bring into existence so we see that when we go through these beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you know that you can go to a rich person and say all these things, and they would go, I'm already rich. I'm already healthy. I've got all this. I've already owned a lot of earth. You know, one of the greatest, I mean, biggest, not greatest, biggest landowners in America right now is Bill Gates. He's buying it up like it's nobody's business. So you might go, well, is Bill Gates meek? Absolutely not. But see, that's what I want you to understand is that Jesus was not talking from a cultural reference that we would understand and say, what is meekness? Everybody thinks meekness is, 
I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be meek. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make myself smaller. I'm six foot three and a half. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna make myself smaller. That's meekness. No, that's not meekness. Meekness is believing what God told us. Meekness is standing in the place where God is telling us to be. You know that when we started this church, we were small. People would have said we were meek. But I would have said we were meek because we were doing something without a large following. We were doing something without a lot of money. We were doing something because God told us to do it. That's what meekness is. And so as we went through these Beatitudes, we've seen that in every single step that that God is trying to create a new idealism in the people who had no spiritual life. They weren't Israel. They weren't the Levites. And so we made our way all the way down to blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And that's where we left off last week. So this week, we're going to cover the last three here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And also, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. So, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've got a lot of little gifts here that are really kind of funny. Got a baseball player, and he's, he's upset at the umpire. You know, whenever a baseball player is upset at the umpire, he kicks dirt onto the plate. Why would that be? Anybody is a baseball fan? The umpire has to sweep it off. That means that he just had to make the guy bend over. And maybe maybe the umpire gave him a bad call. Maybe he, he called a strike when he thought it was a ball. You know, and then I got this other guy, and he's like a police officer somewhere probably in like Thailand. And this guy dances while he's in the middle of the street and he'll kick that hip out and he'll throw, throw his hand up and stop traffic. And then he'll go over there and he does these little feet motions. I mean, he's a pretty cool dude, you know? But he's keeping it moving. He's keeping the, the things that he's having to do moving. So one of the things that the, that the Lord put on my heart was this word persecuted is dioko and it means to run or flee or to be put to flight to be driven away so if we're being persecuted a lot of people think well if we're being persecuted then we're being killed no if we're being persecuted it means that people are trying to get rid of us right people don't like what we have to offer so they're trying to get you out they're trying to move you I don't want to hear about this Jesus stuff anymore. I don't want to hear about, you know, right standing with God. I don't want to hear all this stuff. So get away from me. So one of the things that, that the Lord put on my heart was, you know, what should we do when we're persecuted? What should we do? Some people think, stand up and fight. Some people say, die. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if they're trying to kill you, you it's not going to matter because you're going to be killed no matter what. But I want you to understand that being persecuted means that you get to do a couple things. You get to do what Jesus told his disciples to do in Mark chapter 6. 
And it says, Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Back then, just like this baseball player, it had been like, y'all want to hear what I got to say? Kicking dirt on your, on your base. You know what? You don't want to hear what I got to say? I'm going to knock the dust off my feet and I'm going to move to someone else that will. See, a lot of times we put ourselves in persecution because we stay trying to witness and do things to the same people that keep turning us down. And we think we're doing something good. But we need to go plant a seed, walk away. Plant a seed, walk away. You could actually take a little bit of a thing. Once you plant the seed, kick the dirt on top of the seed. And then do like this guy where he's like, you know. I mean, you've got to understand that Jesus is not asking you to get in the quag. Okay? Jesus is not asking us to go and put ourselves in danger. You know, I've known lots of missionaries. I've gotten to meet them over the years. I have not found one of them that said, you know, I go into these countries and I get beaten and I get, you know, I get stabbed every day. In fact, I've actually asked them, well, how much danger you're in? They go, Jesus tells me to not go to those places at that time. You're going, what? He was like, oh, yeah, well, the country's got good places and the country's got bad places. You go in with a lot of people. You go in with a lot of security. You go in with the, with the safety. And you try to bring safety and security to the people that are there. But Jesus is not calling us to go in there. Oh, there's a gang war happening in the middle of the streets of El Salvador. I'm going to go out there and start witnessing to the gang members that are out there shooting each other. See, persecution has nothing to do with putting yourselves in that situation. Persecution has to do when somebody says no, you go, I'm planting this seed, Lord, and I'm moving on. I plant the seed and I move on. Plant the seed, move on. See, most of the time we plant the seed and then we plant the seed and then we plant the seed and we plant the seed and we plant the seed we plant the seed and nobody ever gets saved because we didn't let it grow. We go and we make a little hole to plant the seed and cover it up. The next day we come back, we dig that part up, we drop the seed back in, we cover it up. See, Jesus is trying to tell us, blessed are those who are persecuted because you're in right standing with God. You're in right standing with God. People are going to know that. I got news for you. I got people that's, that they... They talk different around me. I never even told them I'm a pastor or I'm a believer in Christ or anything. They just tell me that. They'll, they'll act differently just because I'm, I'm there. And then if I start telling them about Jesus, sometimes they're like, I don't want to hear it. But I plant the seed and I move on. I don't go back and I dig up the seed and plant another seed. I don't need to put, plant another seed. That seed is eternal. The seed is Jesus. I put it in their heart. One of these days, they're going to be confronted with the idea that I need Jesus. There was that seed, and it's been growing, 
And I need it more and more and more. The seed is alive. See, I don't have to keep going and planting the seed. I don't have to keep digging it up and planting a new one. Well, that, that was a dead seed. The seed that I gave Lindsay, that's, that's a dead seed. I got to go back because I didn't give her good enough Jesus. I got to go and give her some more Jesus over here. Claim only live seeds in the name of Jesus. She, she's claiming live seed. I, I'm claiming live seed too. But see, I want you to understand that we're persecuted mainly and driven away because we tend to not plant the seed and move on. You know that that is a that is a purpose in our life is to be seed planters and to be harvesters. You know, we water the seed by the word. But you know what? I don't go up and just give Joanne word like, Joanne, I'm just going to call you up today, Joanne. Yes, um, I'm just going to tell you the word today. So turn over to Jeremiah. We're going to read the whole book of 29. Because I want, I want you to know that he has a plan for you. You know, that's annoying. Joanne would go, no, I'm in the middle of cooking or I'm in the middle of doing something. Don't read me Jeremiah 29, 11. See, I plant a seed and I move on. When I water, I water with the word because what if Joanne needs something from me? What if I need something from Joanne? You know, the word is when I need something, the word comes in and starts changing me. Little by little. I don't have to change for the word. The word changes me. It transforms me according to Romans chapter 12. Because I don't, I'm not conformed by this world, but I'm transformed by the living word of God. So once, once we plant that seed, we're like this guy over here and he's He's directing traffic. He's like, okay, y'all got your, your traffic. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to tell these guys to stop. All right, you guys, come on. Come on, just bring it. I'm going to continue to move. And I'm going to continue to be. And I'm going to let Jesus guide me. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me into all the truth. I'm not going to, I'm going to sit here and go, hey, I'm going to keep moving because I'm not worried about whether or not that person is going to be in the kingdom because it's the word that changes them. Only worry about the kingdoms that you can that you can worry with. Well, let me restate that. That you can actually affect. And here, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. You know that that I used to try to take these scriptures and I used to go, well, I'm going to be reviled and I'm going to be persecuted. And there's going to be all kinds of evil that's going to be coming at me. Because, you know, it's just the way it is as a Christian. But you know, it's not you, it's Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's not you, it's Jesus. If somebody is mad at you about Jesus... It's not about you. See, an atheist will sit there and tell you, well, I don't believe in God. The moment you bring up God, you know, if I didn't believe in, let's say, I don't believe, it's Harper in here. 
don't believe in Santa Claus. But if somebody brings up Santa Claus, I don't get mad. If somebody says, well, I don't believe in the Easter, well, I believe in the Easter Bunny, and I go, well, by golly, I don't believe in the Easter Bunny, that would be stupid. Think about that. We have people who are agnostic, atheists, or any of the things under the light, and they get mad because it's about Jesus. See, I want to put, I want to put the emphasis where the emphasis is due. Jesus is a dividing line. And when their heart hears Jesus and him crucified, it causes them to have to make a decision. Because if it was not true, if it was just, oh, well, I just don't believe. I just don't believe. Well, guess what? You would just go, oh, Jesus, okay, I'm going to go on. But see, people get upset. See, when you don't have Jesus, you either have to go, well, I'm looking for something that sounds like Jesus, or get away from me. I don't want to deal with that. That makes me mad. Why would that be? It's because in their heart, they have a seed and it's alive, and it's trying to grow. It's trying to become something new. It's trying to take something that, that has been forming on the inside of them, and they've been suppressing it. See, their seed is not dead. Somebody has told them. They hear about Jesus. They've known about Jesus. And when they come after you and they persecute you, it's not about you. These people don't hate you. It's about Jesus. And see, Jesus said, and I love, I love what, you know, because Paul kind of lived this life. You know, Paul lived the life of Jesus and him crucified and he would go tell folks about Jesus and you get some people would go okay I want to talk about that and then you get some people that would go and stone him okay and see the thing that I want you to understand is that he never Paul never went back and said these people are evil he always said that I, I bear the marks in my body of Jesus. It's because when they see you, a fully formed Christian, they don't see you, they see Jesus. See, that's the beauty of being a Christian is the fact that we get in our body, in our mind, and in our spirit. We can be renewed to the point where we understand all of the things that Jesus felt, that Jesus knew, it's like being a child. I know what it's like to be the parent of Jack and Jenny Cornelius back here. It's because I lived it. I don't, I don't know how it is to live under Joanne's roof or, or under, you know, uh, Reba and Charlie. I've got a better understanding after 24 years of living with my wife, but I don't know like I know about Jack and Jeannie. You see, that's the... That's the exact same thing, is that we can know and be known in Christ. Paul actually said in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 12, it says, For it is the God who commanded light. So we have this thing called light and darkness. Christians are light. Non-Christians are in the dark. And it says, Light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory to be uh, of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This word glory is doxa. It actually means to be honor, to give honor, to give praise. It's a, it's a word that means I'm proud. It's like if my, if my daughter just got a, just got a, she got two jobs. Do you know how proud I am? I mean, I've got friends of mine that I work with that they've got kids that are 26, 27 years old that still live in, in their basement, okay? Their kids don't have jobs. And I've got a 19-year-old that has two jobs right now. And she's been waiting for her jobs and she's been doing all the things that she needs to do right. Do you know that that makes me proud? That gives me glory. And you may be saying, well, you know, we shouldn't have pride. Well, there's a difference between pride and proud. Pride means that I think I'm better than you because my daughter has two jobs. That would be what pride would be. Be kind of like if I said, all, all you people over here on the right, y'all need to shape up because all the people over here on the left, they have jobs. I mean, that would be what pride would be. But to be proud means that I want to glorify something that is good. And you know what? Jesus did that. Jesus came and brought the glory. This word, in, in the face of Jesus Christ, it wasn't his actual face. It means in the, in the intention of. It means that, that Jesus himself, when he came and, and he, he brought about his presence, that it brought glory. And that it brought glory in us. That meant that, you know, when I go around and I tell people what God has done in me, I do. I tell them. I said, you know, God's healed me of a lot of things. ADD, dyslexia. God has brought me into a place to where I had no vision, and then now I have God's vision. I was a, I was someone who thought I was going to not do very much with my life. I mean, my parents probably would have told you. They thought that I was probably going to live in their basement until I was, I'm 44 now. So they're probably going, Woo, thank God. I'm really, give glory. Woo, hallelujah. Dusty actually moved out and he got a job. That was beyond our, our wildest beliefs. Do you know what? It was beyond my wildest beliefs too. Until I got a hold of the word and it said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Do you know that that is the piece of this is that, is that this glory makes us go out and tell people about Jesus. We don't have to go and find a specific thing. We need to find the thing that Jesus did for us. You may go, well, Jesus hadn't done very much for me. I got news for you. Spend five minutes with me. You tell me about your life. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll find ten things. I will find ten things that God has done for you. Hey, everybody, do this. There you go. One thing to glory about. Hey, I was, hey guys, I was able to breathe this morning. That is the glory of God that I'm going to progress in this place. I'm going to progress it in identity church. I'm going to progress it in my world as I go out. 
See, what we have to understand is that there's going to be people who are going to go, in fact, we actually found a couple this week where, where there was some folks that didn't like that we're wanting to see our children grow and move on. People are like, well, I just, I want to always keep my kids as babies. Well, you know what? I don't. Do you know it's called death? People don't get old. They, it's called death. See, we don't go backwards. We go forwards. And then eventually we die. And then there's another generation. And there's another generation. It's another generation. Do you know that that is the way God created us? Is that we don't all live forever. And we can't always keep our kids young. I've got a 15-year-old right here. Very proud of him. Very much so. He really, I mean, I got news for you. My kids are better than I am. I'm sorry about that. My kids are better than I am. I was not, I mean, go ask my parents. Y'all go take a few minutes. My parents will tell you all of my transgressions when I was a kid. My kids are a thousand times better than I was. Do you know that I look at my kids and I say to myself, I want to see what happens next. You know, I want to see what happens next. Do you know that there's a mystery behind what's next? You know, when we get when we get in the midst of persecution, it's because I'm believing for what's next. I'm believing for more than what we have right now. I'm believing that there's going to be more in my son's life, my daughter's life, our lives. I'm believing for y'all. Every single week, I am praying. Every single day, I pray, Lord, give them more visions. Give them more to do. Show them things. What is next in their life? I want to see it come to pass. It's going to be awesome. Lindsay and Matt and Amy and all of you are going to come back and go, I found out what next is. And I'm believing with you for that next. I'm wanting to see what's next. Because that's what's going to carry us. We're going to keep growing until we die. Or either we're going to sit down and we're just going to die anyway. Which one do you want? I will tell you this. I would rather be in the glory of God, proud of what God is doing next, looking towards what God is doing next. I'm not looking for what was behind. But just like Paul, I am moving forward. I'm moving forward. And see, it says here, it says, but in verse 7 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, but we, have, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's a powerful statement. We have in this vessel the power of God if you believe in Jesus Christ. The power of God lives on the inside of us. It gives us the power to live life. It gives us this power. Verse 8, it says, And we are hard-pressed on every side, yet crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. It was a song we used to do, and Charlie used to sing it. You know, we would be dancing to this exact same verse. 
And you'd be sitting there going, yes, amen. I'm not persecuted or persuaded, you know, or dissuaded, struck down or destroyed. And that's all great and fine. But, you know, when we come in here and it says, always, in verse 10, carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And it says that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Do you know that every single time we manifest something in our body that has to do with Jesus, it's because we planted it, we watered it through the washing of the word, and then it comes out of us. And we're being manifested every single time. So it says, it says here in verse 11, it says, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that when death is working in us, but life in you. You know, we think to ourselves, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to be persecuted. We're going to be reviled. It's going to be horrible life. But one of these days, we're going to get to heaven. Do you know that, that these scriptures right here, that it's talking about how, how our mortal flesh takes this on. But it's not affecting, it's not supposed to affect our mind, our will, our emotions, or our spirit. That every single time somebody comes against you, every single time something happens in your life, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to shake the dust off the feet like we talked before. Move on. I don't stay in the quagmire. I don't stay down into the, into the depths. You know, I'm just going to keep moving on. You know, Jesus is telling us when we get persecuted, it's because of him, not us. Jesus is polarizing. You're going to find that there's going to be people who are not going to like you because of Jesus. That's okay. Just keep moving on. You know, light and darkness is kind of polarizing. I can turn off all the lights in here, okay? And we got these little pinholes. In fact, you can actually see them in, in the walls over here where the metal is, where somebody's breached the wall. They're very small. And I can actually see light out there. But we can turn it out, and you would see those little bitty pinholes. You know why? Because light always pierces darkness. It's polarizing. You know that when we go in the midst of our situation where there is strife and there's hell and things are just going down, you know, I walk in and as long as I'm not in strife and I'm walking in the light, do you know that it's polarizing? Do you know polarizing, just like a polarizing flip switch on that light back there. I can turn it off or I can turn it on. Do you know, I can turn my light on or off. I can either believe God, believe what he said, I can stand with what he's doing, or I can flip it off and I can be exactly like everybody else in the world. I have free will. But see, people are going to persecute you because you're going to walk in the midst of the situation and your peace, your light is going to change the world. It's going to change the world in which you live in. And then if they don't want to be changed, knock the dust off your feet, keep moving. 
You know, we have Jesus manifest ourselves when we walk in this knowledge of God. Jesus' culture is about the joy of living, being free. Do you know that we need to have a joy for living? And we need to have a freedom when it comes to living that is beyond all the things that we've seen. You know, the world constantly comes at us and tells us, you know what? You didn't get this certain thing that you were looking for. And, and I've had that. I've had the pressures of life where, where I thought, well, I should have I should have gotten this house or this car or this job or I should have gotten something. You know, two years ago, I was I was doing a um, I do these national tabletops for the power company. And I got this big kind of a bonus for doing it. Well, that was the third one I had done. And they gave me a bonus. Well, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm doing another one this year. And you know, there was a point where I was going, oh, the last, you know, the two times before, they didn't give me my, this bonus. But they gave it to me this last time. Maybe they'll give it to me this time. You know, I'm not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> but I will tell you this, that a lot of times people will put stock in what people will do. You know that I don't put any stock in what anybody does. I put stock in what Jesus does. You know, his word is forever, but y'all's word may not be, but only for a few minutes. And I love all of you. I love the people that are out here. But things can change in a moment. I mean, somebody can make me a promise, and then two days later can't keep it. It's just the way life works. And, it, and see, that's the thing, is we all have to learn that when we are living this life in this Jesus culture, that we're free. We only are the ones that are binding ourselves. And I'll tell you exactly how that works. I could tell Heather, hey, I'm going to be home by the end of the day at 5 o'clock. I come in at 7. Oh, this happened at work and that happened at work. Well, you know what? If that happens for 20 years... She's not going to believe my word. You know that I want you guys to be word-minded. Because your words matter. The things that you promise matter. And see, when people come against us, that's usually the first thing they come against us. Well, you said you were going to do this. I don't know how many times I have messed up and I've had people go, well, I thought you were a Christian. It's the thing that cuts you the hardest, right? It's like, I don't know if y'all ever had that happen, but I have. I've been sitting there, I've done something, I messed up, and I said, well, well, I thought you were a Christian. You know what? I'm still free. I still live this Jesus life. No matter what people think of me, no matter what, I, what I've messed up with, your mess-ups don't change you. Jesus is in you if you believe in him. And if you choose to love other people that don't even love you, do you know that that makes it a whole lot easier? Especially when people come against us and they tell us, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm persecuting you because well, most of the time they're going to tell you they're persecuting you. But, 
If they come against you because of Jesus, if you're being reviled or, or persecuted, do you know that love is to choose them over their over their them being upset? That's really hard. How, how many times in, in life have you heard people go, well, I really like that, you know, that Charlie Gullion. I'm going to use Charlie. I've never heard anybody say this, but I'm going to use Charlie as my example. But if I was to go to some person and Charlie and him had had a dispute, in fact, I actually had this happen two weeks ago where I, I mentioned to someone that, I thought they were a good person or they had done me good. And the first thing they said, well, you got to watch out for him. Because old Charlie Gullion, he'll, you know, he'll go back on his word or he'll do whatever. You know, the, the one part about that is, is that the moment that somebody says something about someone to you, if you, if, if, it, if you're, the thought hits your head or if it comes out of your mouth, yeah, but, well, then your butt's going to get in the way of choosing love. You know, everybody has butts and they all stink. You know, this is going to happen to you too. You're going to mess up and you're going to do something and they're going to go, oh, that, somebody's going to go, well, Dusty Cornelius, he did a good job for me the other day. And somebody's going to go, well, yeah, but 10 years ago, I remember he was in the, the cafeteria and he, was, he had a big, had a big hammer and just shoved the whole thing in his mouth and I said hey to him and, and he didn't even look at me. I was busy. I had this big hamburger that was shoved in my mouth. I want you to understand that you are not above reproach. So don't put other people there either. Always, always, always choose love. Always choose love. Because I could use my butt to get in the way of other people loving each other. Amen? This last thing. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This heaven is that new kingdom that Jesus was bringing to everybody. For so they uh, persecuted the prophets um, who were before you. There's a couple things here I want you to understand. Jesus just lumped us in with the prophets. Guess what? You guys are kings and priests. You guys are prophets unto the nations. You guys are the ones that are going to be persecuted just like the other prophets were. There's going to be people that's going to try to drive you away. But you know what? I love what happened in Luke. Because in Luke, Jesus is over there and he heals a man. And he did it on the Sabbath. He did it on Sunday. Oh no, it was actually Saturday because it's the seventh day. But anyway, he was, he was healing people. And one of the Pharisees came up and asked him a question. Who gives you this authority? Who gives you this power in this kingdom that you keep talking about? And Jesus says in Luke 17, 20 and 21, it says, now, we, uh, now when he had, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, 
nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus was trying to set a new standard and say, hey, there's a kingdom that's going to come that's not going to be this, hey, I see China over here. I see Russia. I see the UK. I see all these other people, these other countries. See, that, that's, that's the way everybody looked at kingdoms. Jerusalem was in the middle of, you know, Samaria, uh, you know, Syria. They had Egypt on one side of them. They were all looking for kingdoms. What's the next big kingdom? They had Rome that was taken over. And see, what I want you to understand is, is that Jesus said, hey, don't worry about those kingdoms. This other godly kingdom is not going to come out of the clouds and scoop us up. The next phase of this kingdom is, is that I'm going to go to the cross, and when I go to see my Father, then those that believe will have the kingdom of God on the inside of them. See, he's reset all of the way that we look at, at, at our kingdom business. Most people are looking to die and go to heaven. That's a great thing. I'm, I'm looking to die and go to heaven one day myself. But I got a lot of life to live here. And the kingdom of God needs to be on the inside of me. I need to believe in it. I need to draw from it. I need to use the kingdom every single day. Every day, I don't just wait until I'm going to die. I'm going to go do it now. You know, Jesus was telling them, he said, he goes, pray go. It's in there. Pray go means you're welcome in, a, in Italian. Pray go, you're welcome. I put it in you. You're welcome. Lindsay, you're welcome. I put it in you. Heather, you're welcome. I put it in you. Charlie, you're welcome. I put it in you. See, Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you got a wrong way of looking at it. I'm going to put a kingdom inside of people who believe. I'm not going to just make them look for something to come. It's going to be in them, and it's going to be through them. So as I'm closing here, Jesus' culture is the joy of living, being free, and choosing to love those who, who may not love you. Jesus' culture is a state of who you are and not what you do. You know, that's got to be something that we have to live in our life. We have to understand that Jesus made us a part of the family. So I'm no longer Dustin Cornelius. I'm Dustin, son of the living God. There's Heather, daughter of the living God. There's Carol, daughter of the living God. God put a new name on. God gave us the ability if we believe in him. Now, I know all of you are saved in here. Well, I know you. But you know what? You can't have that kingdom. It will not be a part of you. You will not be able to operate in it if you do not believe in Jesus. It's just the way it is. It'd be kind of like saying, I don't believe in Jack Cornelius. Not that I don't believe he can't do something. I just don't believe he exists. Well then, how can I be the son of Jack Cornelius? It's that simple. See, people want to complicate it, but in order to be a part of the family, i got to believe there's a family. I mean, if I didn't believe that there was Cornelius's in, in the world, and somebody said, hey, Dusty, you're a Cornelius. And I go, 
I don't believe in Cornelius's. You can't have that family. You can't have that kingdom. Because dad's going to leave me lots of millions and millions of dollars. I'm believing. So I believe. I believe it's going to happen. But I want you to understand that the kingdom is for those who believe. Amen. Did y'all learn something this morning? Amen.